my task to take you through Ecclesiastes, um, the, and it's a whole chapter. We've got chapter 7. So, so the message title that I was given was, Where Can We Find Wisdom? Um, I'm going to be using PowerPoint, so most of the scriptures what I'm using will be up on the screen, so we can be on the same page. There's 29 verses in Ecclesiastes, in, in, in the chapter 7. There's more in the whole book, but in chapter 7, there's 29 verses. Um, and it's kind of, I've, I've put it into these chunks here. Oh, you've got the contrast of wisdom, verses 1 to 14, counsel for better living, 15 to 25, and the counsel for balanced living, 26 to 29. If you've been coming to church, you know, we've been going through Ecclesiastes, you'll, you'll be used to the, the writing style of Ecclesiastes. Um, and you know what it really reminds me? It reminds me of the Lord. And when the Lord was on the earth, when the Lord was teaching, um, he would often draw comparisons for you. And that would help you to see things clearly. And that's what I see in Ecclesiastes is comparisons all the time. I want you to do something, just a little exercise. I want you to think of, when, when did Jesus, I don't want you to call it out or say anything. I want you to think, and I want you to think, when did Jesus draw a comparison? Can you remember a time in scripture that Jesus spoke and he compared two things? Can you just think of that for yourselves? Just think, when did Jesus do that? Did you just find wisdom? Because when you're thinking, when you're remembering scripture, that's, that's wisdom. That's wisdom right there. The title of this is, where can we find wisdom? You, you just found wisdom. If you thought back and you could remember scriptures, you can remember Jesus, that's, that's wisdom. When I saw the rotor for teaching, I saw my subject, where can we find wisdom? And, and my heart sank. What, what do I know about wisdom? I don't know nothing about wisdom. I then saw what Brent's subject was last week, and I thought, yo, I know that subject. I can preach that. That was can be, um, about being content. I was like, I want to do that one. And I look back at my ones, like, yo. Then I saw next week's one, how should we live under authority? And I thought to myself, I know that. I have experienced that personally. I can preach on that. And then I look back at the subject they gave me. Where can we find wisdom? And this verse came to my mind. James 1, 5-6, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. When you do Bible study, you're preparing to teach. A big portion of your preparation time is prayer. You spend a lot of time in prayer. I have never spent so much time in prayer over scripture as I have done it with, with preparing for today, with Ecclesiastes. Let me tell you a little story. A young Navy officer received a, a message from the captain saying he was going to be given the opportunity to get the battleship ready and, 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 and sail off. All right? So the young Navy officer, he, he, he went ramping. He, he jumped, whist, blow a whistle, give out command. The ship was buzzing. People are running around. Everyone's doing what they had to do. Before you know it, the ship is off and it's heading back to the White Cliffs of Dover. And then a message came through from the captain. And this Navy officer's feeling nice. He's like, yo, he's ready for this message from the captain. But when he looks at it, it's a radio message. And he thinks, radio message? But he thinks, no, it's cool. He looks at it. The captain says, congratulations. You have got the ship off in a record time. You've done everything by the book. Everything was perfect. But you forgot one unwritten rule. Make sure the captain is on board. I tell you, making sure the captain is, is on board before you, before you go on the way. You, you see, this guy, he had knowledge. He had all the knowledge and he knew what to do by the book and he did it all. But he, he didn't have any wisdom. He had no wisdom. And I don't want us to, first off, before we even get into the scripture, I don't want you to confuse knowledge and wisdom. Let's pray. 
Lord, as we, as we come into your presence, Lord, recognizing who you are, Lord. You, you are creator of all things. You are the creator of the universe, Lord. You, you breathed out the stars and the galaxies. Yeah, we have a relationship with you. We're able to come into your throne room, Lord. And Lord, we're so grateful for this time, Lord. We're going to look at your word, Lord. We're going to examine your word and knowing, Lord, that your word has the power of salvation, has the power to transform lives. So I'm expecting that there's going to be a change in here in people's lives today, Lord, in my life, Lord, as we look at your word. I pray that you prepare people's hearts in there and open their hearts, Lord. Open their minds to receive your word, Lord. I pray, Lord, that, that me as a man, that I can't even communicate properly, but I pray, Lord, that that doesn't even make any difference because your word will come through. I pray, Lord, that my opinion or anything else doesn't, doesn't stay root with anybody. That it's your word, Lord, that will permeate their beings, Lord, and change them. Change me, Lord. This is holy ground. We're in your presence. What a, what a, what a privilege. What an honor. As I read Ecclesiastes, Lord, I, I, I consider I'm dust. What am I but dust? Yet I'm able to stand boldly in your throne room, Lord, because of Jesus. I pray for everyone in here today, Lord, whether they know you, whether they don't. I pray that everybody leaves knowing you. I pray that everybody leaves with, with something in their heart to change, a challenge, Lord, a conviction. I just commit this time to you, Lord. Like, I am not able. You know, Lord. You know my physical. You know, you know my, my health, Lord. You know how I'm feeling. I'm not even able to stand right now, but you are standing me, Lord. And I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Bless your name, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Thank you for today, Lord. Amen. All right. Message seven. Where can we find wisdom? I'm going to read through it. This is 29 verses, y'all. So, you know, we're going to read through it. We're going to get into it. Um, there's some bits I'd love to spend a long time on, but we, we ain't got a long time. You know? So we're going to go through it. All right. Verse 7. A good name is better than precious ointment, and a day of death than the day of one's birth. Better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men. And the living will take it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by a sad countenance the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the songs of fools. For like the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This also is vanity. Surely oppression destroys a wise man's reason and a bribe debases the heart. The end of a thing is better than its beginning. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. Wisdom is good for, with an inheritance and profitable to those who see the sun. For wisdom is a defense as money is a defense. But the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Consider the works of God. For who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity be joyful, but in the day of adversity consider. Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other so that man can find out nothing that will come after him. I have seen everything in my days of vanity. There is a just man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs life in his wickedness. Do not be overly righteous, nor be overly wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Do not be overly wicked, nor be foolish. Why should you die before your time? Is it, good? it is good that you grasp this, and also not remove your hand from the other. For he who fears God will escape them all. 
Wisdom strengthens the wise more than ten rulers of the city. For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. Also, do not take to heart everything people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. For many times also your own heart has known that even you have cursed others. All this I have proved by wisdom. I said I will be wise, but it was far from me. As for that which is far off and exceedingly deep, who can find it out? I applied my heart to know, to search and seek out wisdom and the reason of things, to know the wickedness of folly, even the foolishness and madness. And I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be trapped by her. Here is what I have found, says the preacher, adding one thing to the other to find out the reason which my soul still seeks, but I cannot find. One man among a thousand I have found, but a woman among all these I have, I have not found. Truly this only I have found, that God made man upright, but they have sought after many schemes. When we think about someone going deep into scripture, I hear people using the expression, why they go deep, you know. Normally it's because they use very, they use very long words and they explain in a very hard text. Um, and they're using, you know, uh, like sound biblical, historical, archaeological, all these different arguments. It's like, right, it's deep. And that's not deep, you know. Deep is when you find application. Deep is when you can apply it to your life. When you apply scripture to your life, you're going deep. You're going deep. Today, my job is to, is to find application and to share application. Your job today is to look for application and hear application. And later to share that application. There's no point you get something and full up yourself and you don't share with nobody else. If you get scripture, you must, share with, you must share it with others. Verse 1. A good name is better than precious ointment. How on point is that? that, that when I read that first verse, I thought, yeah man, this, this looks good. This looks good. That's, that's so true. There's nothing worse than people talking about you. I know. I know what it is to have people talking about me. Chewing on your name like bubble gum. I know. <laughs> To be able to walk around with the knowledge that people respect you and they respect your name must be nice. It must be a nice feeling. Knowing you smell nice is something that people spend a lot of money on. Um, and I wanted to give you a little example. The most expensive perfume in the world is Clive Christian Number no. 1. It's called Imperial Majesty Perfume. It's $12,721 per ounce. So the whole bottle of 16.9 ounces of perfume costs $215,000. I was going to get it for my wife for Christmas, but... <laughs> she said no. She don't want that. She's too holy for that. She don't want it. So you could have a reputation for smelling nice, but that does not equate to a good name. I remember, you know what? I, I worked with it in this place when I was very young. I came back to England. I was about 16, and I, went, I got a job in a, in a factory, and this woman used to come in and... Lord, I had to always come out of the room because it was so strong. The perfume was so strong. So for her, she's smelling nice, but it, to me, it was an offense. My sister remembers the woman. Yeah, I won't say her name. Don't worry. But it was, yo, it was, it was too much. It was too much. That's kind of irrelevant, but hey, it's a little story. <laughs> this verse is nice. It's simple. It makes perfect sense. A good name is better than precious ointment. The Bible speaks about being above reproach or blameless. It's one of the distinctive marks if you're, if you're going to be um, an elder in a church, a deacon or whatever. There's, there's requirements. Having a good name. I'm not going to read that. All these, we ain't got time to go into these things, but 1 Timothy 3.2, Titus 1.6-7. These are the verses that, that you can go and look at. Um, their work for the church, as well as their interactions with others so outside the church, are to be of a very high moral quality. 
You know what I'm saying? No one can't point the finger at them. They're not to bring disgrace on the church um, or, or shame on Jesus. Above reproach, however, it doesn't mean that they are without sin. No Christian is without sin. And nor will we be until we, we, we are in a glorified state. And then we will be without sin. But not yet. Above reproach means that the Christian life is, 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 is free from sinful habits. So if it's something that you are doing as a habit, you, that needs to stop. You understand? If you're a Christian, you need, them things need to, you need, to, you need to stop that. You need to set a high standard. Um, Hebrews 13, 7, 1 Peter 5, 3. I'm throwing them ones out if you're making notes, okay? Because you need to go and look at them. Um, also, the, the person in leadership mustn't give cause for those outside the church to mash up its reputation. Being above reproach means that no one can honestly bring a charge or accusation against you. Oh, I saw him doing this. Oh, I saw them doing that. Acts, Acts 25, 7 and 1 Peter three sixteen. We could go in on this one verse. I could do the whole sermon on this, this one verse. And to be honest with you, that, I'd probably look good. It'd be a nice sermon, and you know what I mean? But this verse is not even finished. The teacher goes on to say in verse 1, A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. What? The day of your death is better than your birth? This is Ecclesiastes. Welcome to Ecclesiastes. I wrote here, this is Ecclesiastes, baby. But I, I wasn't going to say that. This is Ecclesiastes. You understand? If we'd stopped at the first line, I could have preached a good sermon, walked away, smoked like roses. Everything would have been nice. But we have a whole chapter to deal with. And we've got to examine all the scripture. You can't just pick out a little piece. When it gets hard, as I said to you earlier, you have to pray harder. When you get into scripture that you're like, what? Pray. And I had to sit down and pray. Because when I looked at it, it was gobbledygook. When I read it, I'm like, I'm like, what? I had to pray. And I've been praying up until today. I'm praying. I'm saying, Lord, help. And the Lord will help. Remember, he said at the beginning in James, if you ask for wisdom, he will give you wisdom. Here is wisdom. Make sure the captain is on board. Who, who is the captain? What do you say? Why are you whispering? I'm an old man, you know. I can't see gray hair and beard. Who, who is the captain? Come on. Jesus is the captain. Make sure Jesus is on board. Anything you're doing in life, make sure Jesus is on board. After I prayed, the Lord started unpacking the scripture. And the way he does it, it's just amazing. I'm reading, I'm like, oh, 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 oh. And he's packing it. It brings other things to memory, other scriptures. It's beautiful. When you die in Christ, the struggle is over. You enter eternity of peace and glory. To live is Christ, to die is gain. As a Christian, someone who believes Jesus rose from the grave and confesses he, he is Lord with their lips and believes it in their heart, the day of death is far better than their birth. It's promotion time. True? Can anyone, anyone, does anyone actually believe that? When you die, it's actually promotion. We're going to be with the Lord, the Most High God. No more pain in my body. I've never had a day in my life without pain in my body. This medical thing, that medical thing, never. I'm going to have no pain. It's going to be amazing. I can't, yo. I want to live as long as I can. I want to live 100 years so I can share the gospel. I can raise his children and share the gospel, teach them to share the gospel. I want to live forever, but I can't wait to die. Men desire to live forever, doing anything they can to combat aging, to prolong life. They keep bringing out this cream, that cream, this, that, get rid of wrinkles, wear it, all different things. It's a big industry. 
Verse 2, better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men. And the living will take it to heart. When someone dies, the lamenting, the grieving is for those left behind, not the person who died. Equally, if you're living in, in a wonderful life full of feasts and festivities, at what point do you stop to contemplate life and death? God and eternity. You, you're busy having f- too much fun. In the house of mourning, you are stripped bare. Your heart is uncovered, sensitive, and raw. At that time, you will contemplate life and what you are doing with yours. Amen? If I chat rubbish, tell me, you know. So, so and if you have to respond in, in some way or another, so I just so I know it's making some sense. Thank you. Go on, Judith. Verse 3. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by a sad countenance the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Jesus said in Matthew 5.4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Is, is your heart sorrowful? Is your spirit grieved at the sin in the world? At your own sin? The wise sees things for what they, what they really are. The wise is not blinded by the glittery razzmatazz of the world. Here the teacher shows us that the contrast of the wise and the fool, the fool finding happiness in fake things, temporary things, happiness and party and everything right now, things that will rot and decay and perish, not giving a thought to eternity, not giving a thought to his, his creator. That's the world that we live in. They call it the life of the consumer. When I typed the life of the consumer, I missed the F out and I looked and I thought, that's true. The lie of the consumer the lie of the consumer. Mark 8.36 For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Wise amongst you this morning, you, you need to focus your eyes on eternity. Not next week, not 10 years down the line, but in eternity. The teacher continues drawing contrasts. Verse 5. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the songs of fools. For like the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This also is vanity. No one likes correction, but the wise will, will take the correction and, and, and grow from it. You understand? They will take it. Um, we did a lesson that critique and, and criti- we try to critique people. You do it in a nice way and, and you grow from that. A fool will surround himself with yes men. Everything where they want to do, everything where they say, yeah, 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 that's really good. Yeah, 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 to everything. Agreeing to everything. I love the terminology the teacher uses here. For like the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This also is vanity. Surely oppression destroys a wise man's reason and a bribe debases the heart. Oppression, trials, when things are on top, even for a wise person, your, your decision making, etc., will be affected. You know what I'm saying? When things, are, when things are going bad, and I know that, okay, so if you're a person that's very meek and mild and you're living humble and you're not, you're not getting violent and then something rises up and it's pushing your button, pushing your button, eventually you, you, you might react. hope you don't, but you might react, you know what I'm saying? So even though you're, you're, you're on point, you're very wise, etc., when things are on top, it's going to affect you. It'll affect your reasoning and your responses. So thank goodness the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. If a truly wise man suffers oppression, he surrenders and submits to his creator. Lord, I don't know what to do. Please help me. Please lead me, Lord. I'm stopping myself talking because there's so much to say on so many things. The teacher continues to draw comparisons, and in verses 13 and 14, he asks the reader to participate. That's you, that's me. 
He says, consider the work of God. For who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider. Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other. So that men can find out nothing that will come after him. There's an expression that, that you may have heard, and I will pronounce it incorrectly right now. It's called carp diem. And the Latin people can say it properly if you want to, but I'm going to speak Latin. Carp diem. It's a Latin expression. It's usually translated seize the day. And it's taken from uh, book one of the Roman poet Horace's work, Odes, written in 23 BC. Irrelevant information, but hey, it sounds good though, eh? <laughs> Our 21st is where I mentioned the day. Our 21st equivalent would be YOLO. You only live once. The idea is not to think of tomorrow or the consequences, but do what you want to do now. You understand? Live life. Enjoy life. Like it's your last day on the earth. Be adventurous. Be bold. Live for the day. The teacher is not saying live for the day, but he is saying do not miss the enjoyment of the good times. Don't live your life like being miserable. Enjoy the times. When a good time comes, the good things happen, make the most of it and enjoy it. Build memories to, to sustain hope during the more difficult times. It then goes on to, to ask us to consider in the days of adversity, in the terrible dark times, in the day when everything that can go wrong does go wrong. In those days, the teacher is asking us to consider the fact that God has appointed that day as well as the good day. God is sovereign over all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> Romans 8.28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Not everybody. To those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Is it true or is it a lie? Do you believe it? Do you actually believe it? We conclude um, a summary of verses 1 to 14 of Ecclesiastes 7. A contrast between the wise and the fool. The bottom line for me is everything in life is foolishness without Christ. That's, that's from my, my, everything's foolishness. If Christ ain't, what, what is it? It's without hope of eternity, vanity or vanities. Now we look at chapter 7, we're going to look at 15 to 24, counsel for better living. This, the teacher starts in verse 15 by saying, I have seen everything in my days of vanity. There is a just man who perishes in his righteousness and there is a wicked man who prolongs life in his wickedness. There is good and bad, virtuous people and wicked people, righteous and unrighteous. In Matthew 5, verse 45, Jesus says, For he makes the sun... Oh, did I put that one up? No. All right. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Good people die. Bad people die. We can't control our future. Um, we have to be content and we have to give thanks for today. Give thanks for the breath that we have in our lungs. Give, give thanks for the, 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 the relationships we have with other people. Give thanks for the rain. Give thanks for the liberty that we have to meet together as Christians and proclaim Jesus is Lord. Give thanks. Six, verse 16. Do not be overly righteous nor be overly wise. Why should you destroy yourself? How can being overly righteous or wise destroy you? You know, I have to, when I read scripture, I'm, just, I, I, I'm asking questions. Whenever I read scripture, I'm asking questions. It's got to make sense to me. How am I going to tell someone else if I don't understand it? How can be overly righteous? Does it mean that you need to mix it up a little bit and sin on Saturdays? <laughs> of course not. That would be stupid. 
How do we know that would be stupid? Because we know God. We know God's character. This is the thing about the Bible. We get to know him personally. So when we read scripture, and when it sounds like, what? We know his character. And we know the spirit that dwells within us. So we're able to say, well, no, that's not what it means. Let's, let's look. Let's dig a little deeper. Once again, we draw for Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. And I'm going to draw for this all through this morning. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. The Pharisees were overly righteous. The Sanhedrin overly wise. One of the wisest men on earth is Stephen Hawking, or so he would think. And so others will tell you. He did the black hole theory. And what's, before I even go into my notes, the black, he proved that there was a beginning and an end. So he proved scientifically this black hole theory. So in other words, he proved that there, there, there's a creator. He proved that. And, and then he spent his whole life trying to prove he's, there isn't. That's what he does now. His whole existence now is to prove there's no God. I, I watched a movie of his life. I mean, I had no intention of watching it. But my house, we have, we have movie night. So people vote. So we watched it. And I'm so glad that I watched it. And I got to see this man prove that there is a God, basically. And then spend his whole life, because he's bitter and angry, proving, trying to prove there isn't. He, he hasn't proved there isn't. One of the wisest men. The truth is that he is overly wise and he is heading for destruction. So pray for him. Pray for him. I always get his name right, Stephen Hawkins. I've got all these different names I keep saying for him. So I would never say his name right. But pray, Stephen Hawkins, pray for him. He's heading for destruction. This is what he said. I want you to listen very carefully because this shows me, this is the wisest man talking, yeah? We are each free to believe what we want and it is my view that the simplest explanation is there is no God. No one created the universe and no one directs our fate. This leads me to a profound realization. There is probably no heaven and no afterlife either. We have this one life to appreciate the grand design of the universe and for that I am extremely grateful. In his wisdom, he said there is no God but in the same sentence, he says it's a grand design. And he's extremely grateful. <laughs> this is the wisest man on the, on the planet. Where can we find wisdom? Verse 17. Do not be overly wicked, nor be foolish. Why should you die before your time? People take risks with life. They have little or no respect for life, not even their own life. For me, you know when people go swimming at the pool and they, they jump in? Psh! That's risking my life. I ain't jumping. I've never done it. I have no intention on doing it. I'm not doing it. I remember I was in Jamaica, and my, my nephew was 10, maybe 11 at the time. We went to Rick's Cafe, and anyone know Rick's Cafe? It's on a cliff, and it, it tall like the building down to the sea. And people jump. They go to different levels and jump in, right? And then some of the local people there will, will go around and take a dollar each or whatever, and they jump, they jump from the top part. All we saw was a pile of clothes on the floor. We said, who's that? That's Levi's clothes. Levi going straight to the front. No fear. Jump straight in. He ain't got no, I back up and did it again and again. His mum is having heart We're all having heart attacks now. Oh, my gosh. But he ain't got no fear. But for me, nah. Mm-mm. I don't swim. Uh-uh. I learned to, to float with coconuts. Hold the coconuts and kick your foot. I don't, nah. It just don't work. I'm not jumping in nothing. I'm not risking my life. I'm not going to be a fool. Eh. Don't be a fool. I'm not saying my nephew is not a fool. But I'm saying to you, don't be a fool. Don't go jumping off into the sea. Unless you know that you're a good swimmer and you head hard. Verse 16. 
Do not be overly righteous, nor be overly wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Do not be overly wicked, nor be foolish. Why should you die before your time? The teacher stresses these points by saying in verse 18, it is good that you grasp this. Not only must you grasp this, this, but don't let it go. And also not remove one hand from the other. For he who fears God will escape them all. If you fear God, you will not be overly righteous. You will not be overly wise. You won't be overly wicked. You won't be, overly, you won't be foolish. You will not destroy yourself and you won't die before your time. Where can we find wisdom? Proverbs 9.10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is inside. I, I used to really struggle. I, a lot of people say, hmm, yes, I used to struggle with that. Because I'm thinking, fear God. God has done nothing good but good for me. I was living a very bad life that I would I'd be ashamed to tell you about. And, and God pulled me out. That's just like, boom. By no doing of my own. Like, this is not a God to fear. This is a God who loves. I, and I didn't understand it. I heard someone teach once. They said that fear means reverence. It means, you know, it's, it's reverence to revere God. And I thought, that's palatable. I, yeah, I can dig that. That's, you know, fear God like that. But then I had a life experience as a Christian where I sinned. And the fear of the consequences of my sin overtook me like a flood of water. It's like I did jump in. This was the fear of God. The fear and dread of removing myself from his favor and from his presence. Romans 1, 21, 22. I really want you to catch this. This, is, this has changed my life. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. If you have sin in your life and you don't deal with your sin, you're, I'm talking to Christians, if you have sin and you're aware of it, but you just sort of hold it down there and you're, you're living your life and you keep that sin there, if you don't deal with it, God will deal with it. And that's talking directly to you right now because God is telling you he will deal with your sin if you don't deal with it. You don't want God to deal with it. You do not want God to deal with it. Deal with it yourself. Put your sin, put your flesh under subjection. God is patient. He's he's so loving and he's so kind and he will wait. Do you know what? 15 years as a Christian and now he's showing me parts of my sinful nature that he never exposed before and I'm like whoa and you've let me carry on like that all that time because he's loving if he just fixed you all perfectly one time you'd, you'd combust he does it slowly slowly and he, he shows you things and reveals things to you he gives you opportunity to deal with it yourself but if you refuse to deal with it he will it doesn't mean that God will send a lightning bolt and bam lick you in the head top or, 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 or strike you down that, that's not what it means it means that God will give you over to the lust of your flesh He will withdraw and leave you to do your own thing. Hand you over to Satan. You don't don't want that. You don't want that. This is frightening and terrifying. This is wisdom. You're not holy and righteous in any way of yourself. We forget that sometimes. We're in church for a long time and we we look down at the sinners and we think, well, you know, we must reach to to the sinners and we must reach. You, you, You actually, you're depraved and you're wicked at heart. It is God's amazing grace that saved you and is transforming you, transforming me. Thank you, Lord. I read how God turns Pharaoh's heart, you know, like with Moses, and, he, and, he, and God just reached and t- turned his heart. Um, 
and, and I feel, wow, he did that to Pharaoh. He does it to, to, to nations. He raised up Cyrus. I mean, he does so much things. He's like, yo, he, he, can, he, he, he can turn your heart which way he wants. God can do all things. I remember with the disciples, they were with, with Jesus for three years, rolling with him, eating with him, sleeping. Do, they were with him 24-7. And he told them, um, I, I should have picked out the verse, but it's just come to my head now. Um, I think it's Luke 17. But he told them that the Son of Man is going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to rip out my beard, spit in my face. And he basically recited a prophecy from um, Proverbs, no, it was Isaiah, talking about what's going to happen to him. Okay. And they didn't understand. This is what it says. They didn't understand because it was darkened. So God hid that from them. Yet, a a few days later, he's walking to Jerusalem. A blind man on the road. Here's who it is that's coming and says, Son of David! Son of David! By the very fact he calls him Son of David means that he recognized that's that's the Messiah. No, who's Son of David? Son of David is the Messiah. And he recognized the blind man, but hearing the word of God, could see more than those with eyes who were with him every day. And that, that really for us has to be a warning and an encouragement. You know what I'm saying? Don't get comfortable in your Christianity. Don't, 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 don't be churchianity and speaking Christianese. It, 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 it don't wash it. It don't cut. God will give you your heart's desires. And if you persist in sin like leaven, it will overtake you like a flood and consume you. Repent. Repent of your sin. Name it. Speak it out to the Lord. Ask him to help you. He will he will, whether it's watching things you shouldn't watch, having, having conversations you shouldn't have, do whatever it is you're doing, he will help you. He will empower you because you cannot do it on your own. You, you need his help. Where can we find wisdom? Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Are you a fool? I'm trying to look in your eyes for too long. Guys. What, me? Are you a fool? I'm going to look up there. Are you a fool? Am I a fool? Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Wisdom strengthens the wise more than ten rulers of the city. For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. If you elevate yourself, God will humble you. Do not think you're more righteous than anyone else. As your righteousness comes from the exact same source. His name is Jesus. Where can we find wisdom? Wisdom comes from the fear of God. Wisdom is listening, learning, and, and, and application. The teacher once again gives us an example. Also, do not take heart to everything people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. For many times also, in your heart, you know, oh, your, your own heart has known that even you have cursed others. And that's so real. Who am I but dust? Meaningless life, full of vanity. When I was a, when I was a young boy, I was a rude boy. You wouldn't believe it now. But I was very naughty. You wouldn't, I know it's like a shirt, everything. It's my only shirt, but I'm shirt, everything. You wouldn't believe it. But I remember I'd cross the street. And when I crossed the street, the car's coming. I'd, I'd go like this. <laughs> He's got brakes. He's going to use the brakes. You better use the brakes. And I'd cross like that. The truth is, if a bicycle had come and hit me, I would have got broke up. Let alone a car that would have killed me. It was an attitude. Who are you but dust? Can you really do this walk on your own? Are you really capable of being more than a conqueror? Bossing Satan's head and trampling upon the devil when you can't even put your own sinful nature under control? You can't even put it under subjection. 
Thank God for Jesus. In Christ, we are new creatures. In Christ, we are more than conquerors. In Christ, we are more than conquerors. We are saved, set apart, and holy in the sight of God. There's no, no action or deed that we can do to, uh, to achieve that, except submit to him. Repent and surrender to him. Verse 23, all this I have proved by wisdom. I said I will be wise, but it was far from me. As for that which is far off and exceedingly deep, who can find it? Who can find it out? I applied my heart to know, to search and seek out wisdom and the reason of things, to know the wickedness of folly, even of foolishness and madness. The key words in this verse are search, seek, and reason of things, or in some translations, it's the sum of all things. The teacher devoted himself to understand and explore wisdom by doing these things. Can you find wisdom by your own strength? No. The teacher has searched everywhere. Wisdom is not found in futile, finite things. In your feelings or your understandings. Wisdom is not found in people. Wisdom is of God. When I heard Pastor Ephraim say that, that the book of Ecclesiastes is a great book for evangelism, I was sitting over there and remember you said that was the last week or the week before. I, I was like, what? Ecclesiastes is good for evangelism? I can't even understand it. I'm open. It didn't make any sense to me. How on earth are you going to use that to evangelize people? But my hat goes off to pass here. Salute. High salute. Because he's correct. The whole book of Ecclesiastes points to Jesus. Completely and thoroughly. Where can we find wisdom? In Jesus. In God Almighty. How do we become righteous enough to come to, into God's presence? Talk to me. How, can we, how do we, I'm a man made of dust. How can I come into God's presence? How am I made righteous? In Jesus, because of Jesus. Through Jesus' son. I'd love to finish now. And, 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 and I think, you know, it worked out all right. <laughs> but there's some really hard verses that, that, that I, have to, I have to go through now. And we are going to be finishing very soon. Well, verse 26, we end our last segment, Council for Balanced Living, 26 to 29. And I find more, bet, more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God shall escape her, but the sinner shall be trapped by her. In some translations, it says the seductive woman. In the living translation, it says the prostitute. But that, that's, that's misleading. The correct translation is woman in general. It's both literal and metaphorical. In, wis, in wis, wisdom literature, so when people write, the, the, you know, the, Literature about wisdom, just the clever people them. Wisdom is represented often by a woman. The word in this text is, is, is woman in general. It's not specific, like an evil woman. There's an expression that when we, when we grew up, now I'm not going to, probably no one's going to know this, I agree with me, but it, you would say, yeah, the woman turned a man fool. So you turn fool. You turn fool over, a man would turn fool over a woman. So in other words, the woman would have an impact on the man that the man would be all, all, all stupid around the woman, doing anything. Or she'd get him to go shopping and do this and the other. The man turned fool. And you'll see your brethren, your, your brethren hanging out with you on the road. You're on the road like, on, doing, making money and doing whatever you're doing. And this brother's disappearing all the time. Like, where, is he, where is he? Boy, I'm turned fool. Woman, it's, it's some girl down, blah, blah, blah. He's going to check her. Yeah, he turned fool. The woman, some women probably didn't even know he existed. Just living her life, and yet this guy is all goggly eye following her around and turning into a fool. Here is what I found, says the preacher, adding one thing to the other to find out the reason, which my soul still seeks but I cannot find. One man among a thousand I have found, but a woman among all these I have not found. 
Wisdom is, is a key theme to Ecclesiastes, in case you haven't got that yet. It's a key theme. The teacher here shows us the limits of wisdom as we all die. But also, it's unobtainable by our own strength. Job 28 teaches us that, that wisdom, although impossible to find on our own strength, is possible to find through God. Am I avoiding the fact that the teacher said he couldn't find one woman? So two things. This is, this is hard. I'm like, What? What is this? And it, it, I had to get into it. One thing to, to take note on this is the, the teacher is speaking about his experience. The same way in Job when his friends came and they gave their counsel. So the teacher is not saying there is not one woman in the world. He's saying he has not found one. Can, do you understand that? Because I, I, I'm not good at communicating and I've got to communi- communicate this part to you. I want you to understand this. He's not saying that there isn't any. He's saying he hasn't found one. Secondly, in some translations, you'll see the word virtuous in verse 28. And that's not there in the original Hebrew, but in verse 29, it's there to clarify. The teacher has not found one virtuous woman. The focus in, the, in these verses is seeking and finding. So why this sudden shift to women? It, to me, it just seemed like totally random. Blam! In Proverbs, wisdom and folly are personified as women. If you look at Proverbs 8 and 9 in particular, the woman as wisdom represents God's wisdom and the woman of folly represents the wisdom of idolatry. In Proverbs, finding wisdom is equivalent to finding the right woman. While going with the wrong woman is folly. Foolishness. The teacher is speaking literally, he has not found one virtuous woman, not one, and only a handful of men in the world are virtuous. He continues in verse 29, as we come to a close. Truly this one I have found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. God created man, as in mankind, to be virtuous, but the teacher only found a few men and not one woman. So the teacher says, in his search for wisdom... By virtue of reasoning, adding one thing to the other, the only thing he ended up finding out was that God created mankind to be virtuous, but mankind had other plans. Does that make sense? Do you you get it? Do you you get it? Because it took me ages to get it. Yeah? There's not a differentiate, because you could read it and feel like he's hating on women and and the women are not as virtuous as the men and blah, blah, blah. I think we kind of know the answer to that. Churches are full of women and there's hardly any men in the churches. He's talking about his experience. He's talking about he he ain't found one virtuous woman, yet he's found a couple of virtuous men. But the whole point of it is that he's saying he's found out that God created us to be virtuous. He created us to be upright. But we had other plans. You have been saved, sanctified, set apart in Jesus, if you're a Christian. You, 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 you are virtuous in the Lord's eyes. It's your responsibility to put your sin in subjection and to walk virtuous. It's your responsibility to, to remove leaven, to say, no, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not doing that. I don't do that no more. When, I, when, I, when my life changed, I used to be a gangster and I, my friends were gangsters and I changed my life and I moved my life and I stopped soci- associating with them. So they'd call me and say, yo, what are you doing? We're going here, we're going there. I'm not going. 
Uh, cut off completely. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not interested. For many years now, I hadn't done that. And I'm, I'm walking as a Christian. And one day we had a funeral to attend. And one of the guys, my, he was my partner in crime. And you can't, that's a very, very close relationship, my partner in crime. He came and collected me, and we're driving somewhere. He got out of the van. He went into the shop to buy something. I looked at the seat, and his drugs were sitting on the seat where they'd fallen out of his pocket. I had just working, started working in the primary school that, that week. If the police had pulled over there and then, they would have been my drugs, and I would, have, I would have been charged. I would have lost my job, career, everything, finish. You understand? That's by association. It's my responsibility to put off the old and, 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 and to continue. It's God that does it, but we have responsibility. You understand? You can't just come to church every week and sit down and, and take it in. What are you doing with it? You hear the word every week. What do you, what do, you do? Faith without works. What's, what's, what's happening? We need to share the gospel. We have a responsibility to share the gospel with others, to, to disciple people, to let them know. How do you pray? How do you, how do, you do these things? This is what Jesus did with the disciples. He taught them. Where can we find wisdom? Let me ask you, I've got to say it, but where, where can we find wisdom? Shout out, man, don't shout. I'm up here looking like a fool, don't feel no way. In God and God alone, in God and God alone, we can find wisdom. At the end of Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter, he concludes the whole thing by saying, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. For fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Where can we find wisdom? My prayer is, is, is that you come away with something to apply to your life. There has to be an application to, to take away. I'm not, I'm not trying to, to, to make up something that sounds cool at the end because I'm finished. But I want you to take something. I want you to, to think of the words that, have, that, have, that, that you've heard and apply it to your life. It has to, it has to be applied to your life. Let's be, let's be wise people. Let's pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, I... I thank you, Lord, for, for your grace, for your mercy. I thank you, Lord, for sustaining me physically to be able to stand up and talk. And I pray, Lord, that in all that has been said, Lord, I pray, Lord, that your word alone settles in people's hearts, Lord. I know that your word doesn't come back void, Lord. I heard my brother saying, Daniel was saying about the power, and, 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 and it's so true. It's not even about us. It's just us being willing so I know, Lord, that even if, I, I don't even know what I've said today. I don't know if there's any sense in any of it. But I know, I know, Lord, that your word will go into people's hearts and it will change their lives, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would really just really call people, call them hard today, Lord. That they would respond to you. I pray, Lord, that your, your Holy Spirit would just really speak to us today, Lord. The transforming work will continue in our minds, Lord. If anything has come up for us during this, Lord, as individuals, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would act on that. Collectively as a church, Lord, that we would act on that. I pray that people would be bold. And we're so worried about other people all the time. We, you know, we don't want to pray. We don't want to speak out loud. We don't want to do this, that, that, because we're worried about other people. Yet really, we, we only, the only person we should be worried about is you. And what do you think? I want to honor you, Lord. I pray that people today would want to honor you. I pray, Lord, that people would, would not feel a way to come and ask for prayer. 
I pray that people would really get on their face before you and submit to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the, the, the privilege of sharing your word, Lord. I just commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.